Hi, Catherine. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking time to share some of your experiences with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Awesome. Um, so I was wondering if you could start with just a brief introduction of yourself and your career and why you wanted to become a speech and language pathologist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, my name is Catherine, and I am a SLP in the Burlington School District at an elementary school. Um, it's actually my second year as an SLP, so I graduated from grad school a year and a couple months ago. So I am fairly new, so I may not be the most experienced for all of your questions, but at the same time, I just came from grad school, so I feel like I have a lot of the latest um, research, like you all are getting now. Um, and I wanted SLP... Primarily, I knew I wanted to go um, actually into the medical field in some way, and I did a lot of job shadowing, um, and throughout grad school, I thought I was going to go more towards the medical route, um, but I ended up kind of falling in love with my clinical placements that were in schools working with kiddos, um, and I really enjoy sort of like the language aspects of my job is probably what's most interesting to me, so language development and how children present in a wide variety of ways um, with different language disorders, either in isolation or um, as a result of different diagnoses like autism or things like that. Um, and recently I've become really interested in um, alternative non-meditative communication systems just because I have a large number of students who communicate through um, different methods and modes. So it's something I'm continuing to learn about right now. Oh, cool. So what ages are you working with right now? So I'm um, K through five. Awesome. All right. So what is your experience, if you have any, with children who ha are experiencing hearing loss? Yeah, definitely. So like I said, I work at K through five elementary school, and I actually have a handful of kiddos I work with who have um, some degree of hearing loss ranging from mild, um, where they don't even have a hearing aid, to severe, um, where a um, severe enough for the student to be communicating through ASL. So I think I have a good um, mixture of kiddos and I'm able to see kind of like the range of needs and accommodations that a kid needs depending on their degree of hearing loss. Yeah. And do you know how prevalent the disability is in Vermont? That's a great question. I actually don't know that off the top of my head. Um, no worries. But I'd be curious to know. <laughs> yeah. Have you had experience in the past? Um, I know you have a lot of kiddos now that you work with with mm -hmm. different degrees of hearing loss, but have you had experience before you were at this school? Um, in my clinical placements, it's not actually not something that I saw as much as um, I do at the school I'm currently working at. Um, but in grad school, something really awesome the program I was in was something awesome about the program I was in was that we did a rotation with our audiologists who were um, kind of in the clinic that we worked in and so I got to kind of essentially see what an audiologist does and then how that relates to my work and sort of how an audiologist and SLP work together um, so that was really beneficial and I feel like that helped me a lot for where I'm at now. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are some of the key aspects of language development that might be impacted 
by hearing loss? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and a really simple explanation, hearing loss impacts language development because children acquire language by hearing it used all around them. So if you think about an infant, um, you know, they don't speak their first word until around 12 months because they need that whole year of really rich, robust language exposure before, you know, kind of expect to see any language in return from them. So if they're not hearing all those pieces and parts of a word, a sentence, or even a whole conversation, then that greatly impacts both their understanding of language, which we call receptive language, and their expressive language. Um, so this is a really on-the-spot bad example, but like think of how confusing it is when you're in a noisy environment and you can't really perceive what the person in front of you is saying. Like you might hear pieces and parts, um, but it leads yeah. to a lot of mixed messages and then frustration because you're missing a lot of the content and it can be really confusing. So as an infant or a small child and you're not able to clearly perceive the world around him or her, that has a lot of impacts um, kind of on overall development, especially if, I mean, as you know, when babies are first born, their hearing is screened. So one of those initiatives that's um, done to, for early detection, because like a lot of other things, early intervention is so important. Um, but there is research that says, so all know, infants and children are creating and strengthening their neural pathways in response to their environment. So there's interesting research that says that even a mild hearing loss can cause permanent changes in the brain because of the information that they may or may not be taking in. Um, and kind of where I fall into it is when a child or family works with an audiologist, um, depending on the degree of their hearing loss, the audiologist will generally kind of map out um, the exact phonemes or speech sounds that the child's not able to perceive depending on their degree of hearing loss because all of our speech sounds have different frequencies. Um, so it can depend, you know, so that affects if they're missing all, if they're not able to perceive a certain range, then we can say, oh, they're missing all these sounds and how that impacts their ability to understand the words um, around them. So. Right. And I can yeah. imagine that would impact their communication, just like peer to peer, peer to teacher, or and like out on the playground, I can imagine there must be some difficulties there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when kiddos get to school, um, it's kind of interesting to see. So like I said, um, several of the kids I have have hearing aids. Um, and, and then some kiddos, it's not to the degree of, degree of needing a hearing aid. But um, one of my students is really articulate and really intelligent. And she was talking to me about currently um, having people, how people are wearing masks. And she has sort of trained herself, she's in third grade, to be able to lo localize sound and who's talking by watching for mouth movements. So that's a really common strategy that kids can develop. And she said she's having a really hard time right now because of the masks. And so she's taught herself to even notice like the movements within the mask. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so how do you assess um, a student with hearing loss? How do you assess their abilities and what strategies or therapies do you implement? Yeah, so I think most importantly is I make sure I have really accurate information from the child's audiologist. So I believe you mentioned you're on a special education track, so you, this isn't ideal, but a lot of times really 
you know, information in IEPs can is not always the most up-to-date or accurate because it could be copied from previous years um, or there's a change in case manager. And so it's really important that we are able to kind of go to the source and have approval to talk with the child's audiologist to make sure we have the most up-to-date information about where their hearing's at, the degree of their loss, how their hearing aid's working, um, if there's problems with the hearing aid that need to be addressed. And so more specifically, like a student with mild hearing loss who also has a hearing aid may need some articulation therapy um, to learn like proper placement of articulators for sound production. So if they're one of those kids that just isn't perceiving some of those specific sounds, then those can be harder for them to produce. Um, and then on the more kind of in depth, more severe hearing loss, I work with a student who has severe loss due to a specific syndrome. Um, and he actually accesses a communication facilitator through the Nine East network. And so it's kind of, which is a great resource. I'm not sure if you've talked about it in your class, but the Nine East network is in Vermont and they um, actually work with several of my students, but they're just a great resource for hearing loss. And um, they have audiologists on their teams, communication facilitators, and um, to kind of decode a communication facilitator, she's essentially a full-time ASL interpreter. So she's with him all day long, interpreting what his teacher's saying um, and helping him to learn uh, sign language. And what, um, I know you talked about hearing aids, mm -hmm. um, but what other assistive technologies do you use with these students? Yeah, I think a big one um, that I oversee, well, we have um, kind of two different sort of amplification systems. So there are DM systems that can, um, the teacher can wear, and then there's actually a piece that attaches directly to the hearing aid to amplify sound. Um, and that's kind of more for more severe loss. And then my school, actually my district also has access to RedCat system. So there it's essentially like a microphone that the teacher wears around their neck. And then there's a speaker mounted on the wall. Um, so that is actually really beneficial for all kids. And it is helpful for the teacher because it can save, kind of protect their voice because it's a lot of talking all day long if you're a teacher. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. Um, so how do you go about collaborating with the general education teacher and the special education teacher to best support students with hearing loss? Yeah, I think, um, well, a big piece though that I do is for evaluation. So before I even evaluate a student for speech and language concerns, I make sure the school nurse does a hearing screener on them. Um, when I was a clinical fellow, my supervisor told me an experience that she had in her career where a student she knew was actually misdiagnosed with ASD um, when he was actually an uh, individual with a hearing loss. So that has kind of like stuck with me and just the importance of even if the parent says, like, nope, there's never been concern with hearing, I just have our school nurse do a screener just in case something comes up where we need to refer for an audiologist because it's so important. Um, but I talk a lot with gen ed teachers and special educators about kind of the pieces we're talking about now, like how hearing loss can impact language and literacy. Um, I work to kind of explain the degree of hearing loss to them and kind of give just a brief overview of what that means. So, like, what noises are they missing? what might be really challenging for them in the classroom. Um, and I like to kind of, if the 
kiddos willing have do like just a little overview of the hearing aid with the teacher and special educator and anyone else who works on their team because generally those kids will come to me if there's an issue um, with their hearing aid, like if they're getting feedback for any reason or they run out of batteries. But I think it's just great if like everyone who works with a student can be just comfortable with the um, technology. Right. And um, this year, especially just talking about that, the third grade student who was having a hard time localizing sound because of everyone wearing masks. Um, it is, it would be great if all of our um, teachers who had students with hearing loss were wearing um, shields, but just for health reasons, that's been hard to get. But I really look at kind of what accommodations do we need to put in place for the student? And then I work with the teams to make sure that those are being followed through on. Um, and some like, and that's something that the 90s network helps with through their consultation. So like just some general classroom tips are having teachers repeat student questions and comments. So if a student has, um, can't see a, if a student with hearing loss can't see another student's face, it can be really helpful for the teacher to just repeat the question, kind of like a, um, someone might do with their public speaking if people in the crowd can't hear the question. Um, yeah, it's also really helpful to have table and chair leg covers to reduce that like terrible <laughs> noise scratching sound when it's the metal bottoms of the chair on the floor that can be really disruptive um, for someone who wears a hearing aid because it's such a, it can be such a um, startling sound and just like general um, strategies that tons of teachers naturally implement but are good reminders is to like have one child talking at a time because if it's a really noisy environment with lots of background noise that student with hearing loss is going to have a hard time um, attending to the conversation right so do you have anything else um for curriculum design um if we were to have a student with hearing loss in our class and we were trying to design a specific curriculum would you have any tips or advice for that Great question. I think, you know, it really, like like any curriculum, obviously, it's really going to depend on the students. So the majority of the students that I have, they are accessing the general curriculum um, with no support. So like in special ed terms, they just have 504s um, to kind of like have these accommodations in place and make sure that everyone's aware of this. But they're yep. still, you know, they don't have special education goals. Um, and then that's obviously different for students who have hearing loss as a result of a certain syndrome or um, disorder. So that programming looks a lot different. Um, and I think my advice would be to, you know, without getting into a ton of specifics, is I really learn to utilize my resources and kind of like know that I'm not the expert on hearing loss and that's why it's so great that the district um, consults with different organizations like 90s Network because they are, they have teachers of the deaf, they have communication facilitators, and they have people who are just audiologists who will provide these recommendations. Um, the teacher of the deaf will actually come into the school and provide services. And so I guess my advice to people who are going to be out in the field soon would just be to, I know this sounds general, but know that you're not going to know everything and it's really great that we have these organizations that can help teach us um and i'm kind of looking at it as like using it as a learning opportunity and then the next 
kiddo we have that might present with similar um, strengths and needs, like we'll already be that much farther ahead because we know this information. Um, yeah, definitely. Do you have anything else that you want to share with us? Um, I think we covered a lot. I would just say, you know, just some general things about children with hearing loss that can look like they present with poor attention skills or have challenges with phonological awareness. Um, we talked about maybe not being able to articulate specific sounds. And then kind of like you mentioned, the delayed social skills piece, because if they weren't always able to get all the pieces and parts of conversations around them, then they might need extra support with learning how a conversation, um, you know, how to navigate a conversation with peers. And also if you're having a hard time hearing what your peers saying, then that can decrease your motivation to want to interact with others. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I think just kind of knowing, you know, how hearing loss can present itself in a lot of different ways and knowing that if you're working with young kiddos, like they might not know to say, I can't hear you because that's always the way it's been for them. So they might not know that they're missing stuff. Um, so just to kind of be on the lookout for that and make sure that you're up to date on their programming and are in contact with their audiologist and have your school nurse wrapped in. I think that's probably the most helpful. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to do this with us. I know it was last minute, um, but it was really helpful. So yeah, I was going to say, I hope it was helpful and happy to do it. Yeah. All thank right. you. Have a good Bye. day. Bye.